0: Welcome, everyone. This is Sergey Ross Podcast, and today I have AJ Roberts with me. I'm super excited to uh, to go through his story. He's a 15 year British Forces veteran, entrepreneur, high performance coach, loving father, and husband. And his journey is really, really cool. Uh, the way that it shaped him into the person he is today. AJ, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, mate. Really, uh, really happy to be here.
0: Excellent, so the first question I have for you is, imagine, go back to time where you were in your garage in Australia, you have to sell your children's toys and all the furniture, and basically the life that you wanted is going away. What was going through your mind in that time And how you were able to turn this
1: around? Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, Just to give the listeners a bit of background on that, um, I was living in Australia on the Gold Coast with my family, uh, my wife and two children, who were fairly young at the time. Um, Back we were there, two thousand and thirteen to two thousand, late two thousand fifteen, and it was off the back of a pretty decent job offer to go out there and do some project management, um, and that wouldn't. Obviously, involved me leaving the military at the time. And I'd just come back from an Afghan, uh, an Afghanistan tour, which was very long, very kinetic, very um, arduous. And job role wise, I kind of got everything out of the military yeah. that I could have asked for. Um, but kind of got to a point where I'd done everything I thought I wanted to achieve in the military in terms of what you join for. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got this really good opportunity to move out there, pretty much to have sort of like the lifestyle that we dreamt of, Um, it was a bit of a no-brainer. So, I took the opportunity, went out there, um, and it was only because the company I worked for kind of fell through. Uh, Mm -hmm. He didn't have very good cash flow, and he had a lot of problems that that ended up not being able to work for the company because they couldn't afford us. Right. Um, This resulted in me then, I've had a choice to make, either we move back to UK or I try and have a crack at starting my own business. And being on the Gold Coast, uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurial mindset, the people there, um, the, uh, you know, so many people just want to have a crack and work for themselves and, you know, really make a go of it, which is quite inspiring and it's good to be around. Um, so I thought, you know, I've got a good opportunity here, I started my boot camp, being a sort of like fitness instructor and a strength and conditioning coach uh, of many different sort of areas over a number of years. So I thought it was a good opportunity and put a bit of a military spin on it, which is what I did. Um, it Then that led to more and more members. It then evolved into uh, me moving into a gym and running a gym at the same time as boot camp. Mm. Everything was going great. Um, I then had to move venues for licensing reasons and uh, it involved me getting an investor involved to afford really to be able to move into a new place. He was, he was part of my boot camp and he was more than happy to get involved and it was, he loved the project and yeah. uh, about a third of the way into the investment he suddenly decided that um, it wasn't for him Pull, kind of pulled out kind of done a runner with his family and um, totally left me high and dry and then with visa problems as well so mm. um, we had no choice really but to up sticks from the Gold Coast and move back to UK rather than getting you know, in, in trouble with the law with immigration and stuff. Um, that involved us having, because we couldn't afford the shipping to send all our stuff back to UK and had nowhere to really store it. Um, it involved us having to sell every single thing we own, mm. um, including my, my kids' toys. And it was, stood there in my garage, you know, selling all my kids' toys and just really soaking it in. It was really, really really hard pill, pill to swallow. Um, looking back on it, it's taught me a lot, hell of a lot of life lessons. Um, And how did you, in
0: in that time, AJ, when you were going through this, like, have you, like, did you have thoughts? Okay. Like that happened. How can I turn this around? Or you, you were not sure at that time.
1: uh, In that particular moment, I I couldn't really see a way out because I think my wife is fed up with like being kind of done it, screwed over. Um, and it was, probably, at the time, probably the right choice to make. Um, otherwise, we would have just been financially needing to borrow money all the time just to sort of get by. So, mm. um, but, it, you know, it was a horrible feeling, like having to sell everything I own. And my, then knowing the fact that my wife's gonna have to leave a job and have to take their kids out of their school, which they absolutely loved. And then we had to transit back to England with just the uh just the just the bags on our backs, our suitcases, that was it.
0: Right. That's uh that's a that's a very tough experience I'm sure, but um that's something that you probably leverage later on in your journey as as a as an as an emotional muscle that, that builds build you to per- to to person who you are right now.
1: Oh, yeah, massively. And um it's experiences like that, along with many others that i have experienced, especially the bad ones like the military, losing mm-hmm. friends. Um, losing guys, you know, in the, in the field, in you know Afghanistan, Iraq, all yeah. that kind of stuff, and it's that's what's made me into sort of like the coach I am today, where I sort of harness all those experiences, and uh, I think it gives me a bit of a, a unique edge, and a unique mm-hmm. talking point, because I've experienced a lot of negatives in my life, if you want to call it a lot of bad experiences, in terms of trauma. Violence, violence, um, right. having to having to you know lo- losing everything that we had in on the other side of the world, you know, but I've soaked it all up and used it as a massive strength, and you know, harness all that, and then I, that helps me deliver um, a lot of the content and a lot, of, you know, me being me um, as a coach moving forward, like today.
0: Yeah, I personally find that. Those who had those those people who had those challenges in life and they were able to reframe that, use it as their advantage, ask themselves how can I how is this the best thing that happened to me or how is this the thing that actually grew me? They are able to become so much more assertive and so and achieve so much more in, a, in so many ways because there's always this psychological, uh, psychological thoughts that, that are coming up in, in those situations. And if you're able to reframe them, you have a lot more power and a lot more muscle, which is uh, exactly what you did, which is phenomenal. And I'm going to ask you more about military in, in a moment, but I know your dream was to be a professional football player, but you had an injury, you had to put an end to that. Well, how did you interpret those thoughts at the time when it happened? And, and then the years later, after you were looking back on your... On your dream of being a football player? Um, well
1: I've, I've been um, obsessed with football um, or soccer as you call it in other uh, everywhere outside England. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Since I was a little toddler and uh, my uncle would uh, roll rolled up socks to me trying to get me into it because um, he spent a lot of time with me when I was a little kid and mm-hmm. He, uh, I'll, you know, I'd be on my, like, door bouncer, just bouncing up and down, kicking these socks and stuff, and it was just, obviously got into that habit and then understand what, you know, football was, and then yeah. just played for teams, uh, club teams, and, then I lived in Germany for a long time as a, from the age of, um, nine till I was 16, because my stepfather was in the military, so mm. British military's got a lot of large contingent over there, um, as do the Americans, and, then. Um, I played a lot of German teams and stuff like that, and uh, I always played at a high level. And um, I got scouted by a club called uh, Bournemouth, um, who are actually now in the Premier League and have been. I think they're in the third season, third or fourth season. Uh, but at, at the time, they were a, a couple of leagues lower, and the, the professional first team were. Um, and I was playing in the youth setup, and I was probably I was only about six months away from signing a, a professional contract to become a professional footballer and I had a bit of a freak injury really where I just kind of knocked knees with somebody and I damaged this nerve that goes across my knee and it, mm. it, it affected uh, the feeling I, would, I got on my foot and I couldn't really use it to its full capacity which then obviously affected my whole game um, and I'm left footed and it was on my left side and it was very, um, it was really distressing and after a couple of months the club decided that after scans and everything else, realised that I wouldn't really get fully recovered from it. So they uh, unfortunately let me go at the time. And it was, you know, it was such a huge pill to swallow because it it's the only thing I ever thought I'd ever do and mm. um, ever wanted to do was be a professional footballer. And literally, my whole life just kind of sank yeah. right there in front of me. Right. How did you had um, to
0: reinvent, reinvent it, right?
1: Yeah. And it was. um, it was at the time it was horrible, and when I was you know I was 17 and a half, and I didn't really know how to deal with it, if you know what I mean. And uh, like no one really got it, really understood who were around me, we were just kind of like, Oh, unlucky son, you know, there's always a career in this and this and this, but I wasn't interested, I didn't want to do anything else. And and unfortunately, like it hit me so hard, I kind of then went down the slippery slope of hanging around the wrong crowds, because I was at college at the time, um, started drinking a lot mm. to kind of to mask the, you know, the, the horrible, that horrible feeling, uh, to make myself feel better. You know, the usual sort of like triggers, which um, a lot of people in society tend to turn to, to forget pain. Um, and I was, you know, I did that at 17 and a half, and and then that then led me to um, being involved with like the wrong crowds and involved with the low-level crime, um, and it was actually a, as a result of being done, well, be, getting into a lot of trouble, that uh, I was basically told um, if I don't join the military, then I'll be going to prison. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was actually, I'd actually approached the military and started inquiries into signing up before I was actually, um, charged with sort of some low level crimes and, um, it was in that process that I said, but I'm in the process of joining the military. Um, and the fee, basically the, the outcome was they said, you basically, you, you will join the military or you will go to prison. Mm. Um, and it's one of the best things I did.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, such a, such a huge turnaround for you. And, uh, it made made so much sense. Absolutely. Tell me about your and you spent in, in military for like fifteen years. You've been there for yeah. a while. What what was your experience like? How was it for you? What were some of the takeaways going in and like working in Afghanistan and any other locations that you've been?
1: Um, I think that it's been massively made me the person I am today. Because as you progress through, uh, obviously, when you first start, it's all about. Being a new guy and obviously through basic training, that's obviously you've got, nowadays, you got. But nowadays you need the what a private or a sapper in my case because I was in the engineers. Um, you need to know so much information, um, everything down from all the different sort of like combat engineering areas, from explosive to bridge building to water supply and stuff that work. Because in the British Army, we're a lot smaller than the the Americans, for example. Whereas like the Americans would have um, a whole squadron or sort of mm. battalion that would just do bridging and nothing else. Right.
0: Um,
1: whereas we have to, okay, we're one of the only armies in the world who uh, as, a, as a Royal Engineer, you're triple traded, so to speak. So you're a soldier first, um, you're a combat engineer second, and then you also go and do an artisan trade as well. So whether that be like a plumber or a bricklayer or a refrigeration technician, all that kind of stuff, specialist trades, so you, you, you do all three. Um, and a lot's required of you and, and a lot of information is re- you know, required to learn and take in and try and keep those skill sets and uh, maintain that is actually quite a very arduous task um, so those first few years are very much geared around doing all that and doing that training and then learning from your commanders and your superiors um, when you get on later on down into your career and you've got some like tours of, uh, like in my case of Iraq and Afghanistan onto your belt, you know, it just develops you that so all your soldiering skills, your engineering skills, your specialist skills, so much more all the time. Um, in between those periods, mm. you get a lot of chance to go away and do adventure training. So, I, I, I managed, I'm quite big into my scuba diving, so I've, I've dived in with some amazing locations around the world. Um, Malaysia, I think, was my best one, so like diving with whale sharks is amazing. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've done skiing in the Rockies and Canada. Um, trek trek, like rock climbing in Canada Um, loads because I was based in Germany a lot of my career so Mm. doing loads of different things in Germany and in the the Alps and Denmark sailing you know you name it so the whole point of doing the adventure training kind of stuff is because it's the next best thing to go into war believe it or not Mm. and the reason why is because you're there doing an arduous task um, whilst team bonding and and Using each using all your skills that you learn off the different sort of exercises and the def, different levels of the you know of the skill set you're doing you know because that could be like northern yeah. skiing you might have never done it before um, it could be rock climbing you could be scared of heights like this, all that kind of stuff so um, you, you learn all these amazing skills over that time and it's you know it, the people I work with and I meet today like very rarely do I come across people that have done. All that kind of stuff within a short space of time, and you know, 15 years is a relatively short time space. Um, and it, I, I very rarely meet people who have done with, you know that much, unless they've sort of done a lot of traveling around the world as part of their job. So um, yeah, it definitely makes you 100, and but then on the flip side, you go to places like Iraq and Afghanistan, where you see horrendous violence, you see just how bad some of the places in the world are and like uh, and how people who are natives there how they're having to live um, afghanistan especially it's like you, know, you only have to sit on the back of the, chin of the helicopter and you look down and the, the landscape is just beautiful but then you get down on the ground and the reality is you know there's hidden explosives and like rocks you know all the way around all around you you just don't it's and there's just so much violence and and turmoil you know government issues and local militia issues, and then, you know, the, the list goes on you know we're all fully aware of like what afghanistan was like was uh, it um
0: at AJ, was when you were in iraq and in afghanistan was were there was were there any military action at that time or was it
1: relatively quiet if if that no no it was um it was very it was very phonetic um when i when I was there there was there was always um always incidences most most days. Um, I, had a, I had a hell of a lot of near misses, especially in Afghanistan, um, and unfortunately lost, you know, lost some guys um, within my unit as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's it's not, it's never, never, never really been quite yeah. the place. It was only really Afghanistan was only really quite like 2001 when our forces first went in, but from 2006 until 2000. 14 it was
0: pretty horrendous mm. yeah it doesn't seem to be uh, quite there at any point in time now we're going to move on from uh, from the military career which i think is extremely important uh, for to shape someone's beliefs and make somebody a leader um, ability to prioritize manage time which you're right now uh, obviously using as a coach on your podcast you, you said something like this you said I coach because I'm a big believer in following your strength. Talk to me about that. What are you like when you when we talk about strengths and weaknesses? Should you not care about weaknesses at all, or do you how do you focus on your strengths without without not to overexposing
1: your weaknesses? Um, I, I think if when I say like play to your strengths in terms of what you want to do, and I mean that as 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 a passion as well mm. because. We hear it all the. You hear it all the time. Uh, you know, whether it's in a podcast or on a book or a video from influencers of the world. That, you know, that everybody says, if you're not happy with what you're doing, like change your story. I know it's easier said than done, um, and that's why, like when I say I play into my strengths, my strengths has always been being a leader, being um, sort of robust and up front, and getting the job done. And I, I don't mean in terms of just doing whatever it takes. Like, I've always been the type of, say, leader, uh, so to speak, as somebody who likes to listen to everybody's ideas and everybody's inputs, and then implementing all those ideas to create a strategy to overcome an obstacle, for example. Mm. That could be military, that could be within a workplace, it could be anything. Uh, for me, they're, they're the best type of leaders because people want to work for you and with you. If you're very much a i say you-do type person, uh, or this is my way or the highway, you're mm. not going to get a lot of respect in that. So um, that's the type of leader I've always been, and even in sports teams, I was always a of my sports teams. Um, so it's just been in my sort of nature to be at that level, and I always, I've always believed about, in the military, like acting the rank above. I used to always tell my guys that always act the rank above all the time, and then you'll see how strong your team is. And it just worked to treat, especially in places like Afghanistan. You know, I had guys who were like privates, but forever acting like they were lance corporals. And it was, you know, when you do get into an engagement with the enemy, for example, Mm -hmm. you, you got, you know, you got guys that are acting just that that level higher all the time, which only makes you like even stronger. So, playing for me, playing to my strengths is very much like using all that those leadership skills and. The coaching skills. I was all I was forever pursuing better things for my guys, my subordinates, and really hitting hitting home to them just how important it is that you constantly keep on top of your personal development all the time and always making yourself a little bit better every day because that's how I, that's how that's what I believe that's what I know works. Um, so by playing to those strengths, I right. can t- help deliver a lot more content and a lot more information and, and help people and advise people a hell of a lot more um, by doing that. Right. Um, but in terms of exposing my weaknesses, um, I, I'm happy to an extent to show my weaknesses because I think it's that's being authentic and you're identifying the fact that you've always got areas to improve on. Um, Right, like, And unlike you, you, like, you, like yourself, you know, you probably you probably identify weaknesses for yourself. Whereas, yeah. I don't. If I if I expose my weaknesses, so to speak, um, I, I I you know, in the same breath, I like to, you know, the, the express that I'm working on these all the time.
0: Definitely, and you can also. I find one of the strategies that is effective is because when you when you're working on your weaknesses, it will inevitably take more time. To actually improve them versus if you better in your strength but what you can do is you can or you can compensate for your weaknesses by surrounding yourself with the right people because they're just the fastest way some people are better at organizing things some people are more creative and it will be very difficult for creative people to start suddenly becoming project managers but if you find a project manager they are so good at organizing and keeping track of multiple projects and multitasking that and you surround them with the right folks then you have that uh, that combination that is very very strong I know yeah exactly I, and so and and everything you said i think it's also super important so uh, tell me about the t- when you were going through your you know dark times you were in afghanistan in iraq you were you had some challenges in your in your after military career um how do you actually stay motivated what do you what what works for you maybe what are the tools maybe the questions you ask yourself maybe you do certain you have certain rituals that you you implement to actually stay motivated take action and get things done
1: um I'm a big believer in um in asking, in asking yourself, like, what led to the process in the first place? So just like we always say, I always learn from your mistakes, making mistakes is good. And um, Same as, like, something suddenly bad happens. I, I always like to take some time, take a step back and assess the situation, and then look at the process of how I got there in the first place. Uh, and then break that down and say, like, well, where could have I made things different so, like, to, like, to change the outcome? And if that happens again, what do I need to implement to avoid that same mistake or pitfall or unfortunate experience? Um, and that's that's something you, I've kind of learned over time, just for the sheer amount of its life experience I've had for my age. And and it's something that I strongly recommend to people all the time. It's one of the first things I talk about with my clients when they say, "Oh, you know, I I, I want to lose, I want to lose." 30, 40 pounds, you know, 20 kilos, Yeah. but I don't know how to do it, and I'll say, well, clearly you're not happy with where you are, it, with your own body weight, your your image, and stuff like that, so let's talk about the process and how you got there in the first place.
0: Absolutely, you, walk, you go through your routines, what do you eat, what do you do, like look at all the details, find the root causes, and then start working on those. Yeah.
1: And again, so that um, I've always been a very positive person anyway um, for, for my whole life. I've, I always try to look at the positives outlook of something. For every negative, there's always a positive. So what might be negative in that exact moment, a positive will come out of it. That positive could be like you then learning from that uh, experience and implementing some positive either immediately or in the near future. Or using ne- it, use that experience to then help you or help others later on down the line.
0: It reminds me of uh, what Tony Robbins used to say when he talked about motivation. He says, "Well, everything uh, we do is it relates to pain or pleasure, and if you take away all the pain from somebody else's life, then it kills the drive. There's no point yeah. for somebody to do anything, right?" Now, yeah. when you um. When you think of quitting, think about where you've started. I think I've seen this quote on your Instagram. Talk to me about this because I think it's so important for anyone committed to results. And this is something that people could use when they're going through tough times, when they're just about to quit, but then they keep they start remembering, oh, this this is how far I came. This is where I'm
1: started from. It's. It's easy for people to sort of like look at the situation they're in right now. They're, they're not 100% where they feel they should be. So it's exactly why you know what half the reason why is it 90% of businesses fell in the first year. Mm. I think it is. I think that's one of the statistics, and yeah. a lot, a lot of it is because people don't implement those. That thought and actually think about why you started it in the first place, rather than just sort of wrapping everything you're doing. Right now, because it's never going to be perfect, but you've, but as as long as it's your, as long as it's your best, that's all you can do. And if you keep doing your best and you keep persisting, you will get the results.
0: Right. It's yeah.
1: And it's um, you know, like people, people just need to focus on like what they're doing. And sometimes, like I, I I think I said in uh, in my post about you need like trying to trying to go all in. and and, and that will give you a really positive outcome because you can't do anything but do your best when you go all in.
0: Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, this is, uh, I really like the concept, and this just illustrates this beautifully analogy when you're trying to uh, take the island, and you arrive on the island, you burn the boats, and that way you get so much more advantage because there's no way back, and it is, difficult to find sometimes to execute in, the, in your world, but looking back at my personal experiences and all the successes I had, is when I didn't have the plan B or I, wasn't, I wouldn't allow myself to have a plan B, it was painful, but the results were phenomenal. It was the progress that somebody is able to make was insane in a very short period of time in a couple of months just because you know there's this is it or or you quit and you have certain massive pain for example you're moving to a different country or you are moving back or you're losing a certain amount of a lot of money and that way you're you're very likely to stick with it right
1: yeah and it's just, it's just, and uh, it all comes down to how, you know how hard you work on it as well it, If you have a business, or you're working on your own fitness, and you, after say, you know, especially at that time of year as well, when a lot of people give up on their New Year's resolutions, and people, people simply don't understand. The same with business, your fitness, everything. Like it doesn't happen overnight. It's and if you, you know, don't compare yourself to anyone. Just try and work on yourself and your goals. You know, people are going to be smarter than you. People are going to have more resources at their disposal. They probably have more natural talent. Uh, but the thing that you as an individual can do is just work really hard. Yeah. And then you can only control, like, a certain number of factors. So as long as you're focusing on those, like, you, you will become, like, the best version of yourself. So when you get to the end or towards the, or to the end point of, like, your, your goal, so to speak, You'll know that you've done everything you can to accomplish that goal. So, you know, no matter what you do, whether it's where you work or whether you, where you practice what you're doing, you, if you just try and be the hardest worker and fo- focus all those strengths on your business or your fitness you and keep being persistent with it, you will see massive results. And results speak loud, as we all know.
0: Absolutely. I find uh, also what what uh, anybody is looking to get better can do is focus on the process. Like you said, yes. that when you're working hard, what does it really, breaking it down and then looking at what exactly does it really mean? Because oftentimes when we set a goal, we obviously focus on the outcome. This is what we want. But then we can we can, we can can control only so much. Now we can visualize. We can ask questions, change our beliefs. This is all very important. But if we have, say, certain process, like I'm going to be making uh, 50 calls a day, and th- they might be crappy calls at the beginning, but they're going to get better. But if you hit that thing every day, then over time you're very likely going to get certain... Positive outcome versus when you just focus on one like goal. This is great, but then I find engineering the plan of attack is extremely important.
1: Yeah, and it's because a lot of like you say they're, they're not actually really defining their goals. They just got uh, a big goal which can be achievable, but sometimes not always. They're not like and you you go back to the smarter goals process, and uh, a lot of the time they're not realistic. So and people just look at that outcome straight away and then if they're no if they're nowhere near it in the early days, they quit straight away.
0: Yes, exactly. It's I find that the concept of smart goals is good, but it is it is a balance. Like I find I always say to uh, to anybody that I coach, is set aggressive goals, and I I don't like smart goals personally. But then when mm. you set the big goals, a very aggressive, unrealistic goal, you you have to focus on on a smaller, on a smaller step. So break them into smaller steps, and don't look at the big one because it's so, as you said, extremely easy to get overwhelmed and say not going to happen. But if you focus on the small one people underestimate what they can achieve over time and how fast, if they do it consistently, if they do focus all in. So if you do this one thing, like you make calls at one every day, then over time you're able to improve a lot and, and then you're able to get to that VP or CEO or to whatever goal you set or maybe to a certain revenue number or uh, profit that you were able to get. So, so I find that that is really important it's pure psychology but setting aggressive goal is important but also just looking at them in the right way I find it is a is a big part now AJ one I, want, I wanted to ask you uh, the question in regards to the self-esteem how can someone if they have a low self-esteem maybe they're they they think they're not enough or they're not not they don't they don't have enough confidence what can they do to to get it to a better level, what can they do to become more, uh, to become more confident and have uh, think better of themselves?
1: I think one of the first things most people should do in that situation is look at their circle, of the people that are around them. A lot, of, a lot of the time, people have low self-esteem because the people around them are very negative. Um, they might have a great idea. They might tell their family, oh, "I've just joined the gym because I want to." lose weight and the family members could be, or friends could be, well, what do you want to go and do that for? I've I've seen it so much in the last few weeks uh, and people comment on that and that's just one example. So I think people need to look at their circle and really see what influences they have around them day in, day out, whereas positive and negative, if it's negative, one of the first things you should do is change that quickly. I don't mean disown your family or disown your friends, just maybe take a few steps back and start surrounding yourself with people who have, will have more influence on you, positive effects and will actually want to see you win. Um, mm. the, the bit, the difference it has is someone's self-esteem uh, when you're surrounded by positive people is massive. Um, you know, like oh, Jim, is it Jim Ron says, Yeah. you know, you're the sum of the five people that you hang around with and he's, he's, not wrong at all, you really are. That's why I've spent the last two years constantly going to networking events, um, personal development events, seminars, you know, you name it. Um, and The people I've met as a result of that and the opportunities that have been created have been phenomenal. Um, you're not going to get that from your average friend that you went to school with on Facebook that you haven't seen in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, very rarely. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely looking at your circle is one of the main things and I think uh, the second thing would 100% be is to not compare yourself to other people right um, if you're comparing yourself to other people you're not loving yourself you know you should always love you before mm. you, you know you, you love new people it's love loving you it just changes everything in the way the way you look at life
0: Absolutely agree. I think those are so important. And anybody who, who does the, those two things, at least start with those two, will get much, much better self-esteem if they do it over time. Now, this one is one of the last questions, uh, AJ. Everyone talks about passion and it's everywhere. Everybody talks, be passionate, follow your passion, pursue your passion. But then there, there are very few people who are obsessed. There's this concept of obsession. And when you, somebody is obsessed, others react in a strange manner. They, oh, like, you're still doing it? That doesn't make any sense. They perceive that person as geeky or weird or they just, they don't, make, there's something's wrong with them. How do you understand the two concepts pa- of passion and obsession and how do you differentiate
1: between the two? Um, I think everyone has a, a different opinion on what obsession is um, and a, a lot of that will come from the environment environment that they've brought up been brought up in so here in England obviously football's like a huge sport for example right. it's it, 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 it's almost like a religion um, you know and it's which is very well documented yeah. and a lot you know so people would see obsession like as something that you would treat as somebody supporting their football team people are obsessed because it's all they talk about um, I think an obsession I think in terms of maybe business a passion could be related to how how they run that business how they market that business how they promote it um, when people then start classing it as an obsession, it might be perceived as because they're spending every ounce of their day and their time on it because then mm. that and I've been in that situation where. When I had my gym, I was like, I was obsessed, and I, I, it came not an obsession of the gym and the members, it became an obsession of trying to get new members through the door because my business relied on people walking through the door and pay, paying memberships to pay the overheads. And it became seven days a week, so then to me, that's no longer a passion, absolutely. Um, but a positive obsession, shall we call it? I think. Yeah, you know, it can be labelled as something that you literally live and breathe.
0: No, totally. I think that's uh, that's, that's a great differentiation. I think it's uh, it, it. There's definitely a balance between between the two.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's, there is a balance um, on positive and a negative side. Um, like I think if you're passionate about something, uh, like I am about coaching, helping others, it's something that I. Think about as soon as I wake up in the morning,
0: Mm,
1: and and it's the thing I'm talking about in some context with my wife before go to bed, (laughs) or or I'm reading about before or I'm, I'm reading to better myself and develop myself more before I go to bed.
0: Certainly, no, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Last question, AJ, what legacy
1: would you like to leave behind? I. One of my, well, the, the thing I talk about most is being the best version of you and it's something, you know, that I have all over my website mm-hmm. and my 90-day programs are to become the best version of you and if I can do that to to myself to uh, and keep my bar set that high and as a result of that, my kids follow the same path and I don't mean them being coaches and all the rest of it. They constantly pursue the purpose, you know, the personal development to be the best version of themselves for me that's the legacy that I'd like to leave behind because no doubt they'll leave it for my grandkids and so on um, you know if my, my my son's very playing at a, a very good level in football at the minute but that's his chosen path um, my daughter's very 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 good academia, academic and um, yeah they're, they're constantly looking to Better themselves all the time in different areas. So that, for me, that's a that's a, a huge legacy to leave.
0: Totally. I mean, this is uh, this is great. AJ, where is everybody can find you online?
1: Uh, well, my website is www.ajrobertscoaching.com, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at AJ Roberts Coaching. And the uh, same for LinkedIn as well. I spend quite a bit of time on LinkedIn networking. So if you're on LinkedIn, come and say hi. Likewise, you see many of my posts uh, to do with uh, daily training, workouts, nutrition, uh, your mindset, uh, setting goals, all that kind of stuff. You'll find me on Instagram. Uh, all at, all of them at AJ Robs Coaching.
0: Perfect and I will include all the links below so anybody who's interested to learning more they will be able to go on and check out your content I think it's really great anybody who's looking to do uh, to learn more about fitness or a nutrition or uh, the other the other two coaching programs that you do is absolutely uh, would benefit a lot from from what you're doing but AJ it was a pleasure thank you so much for for joining.
1: Hey Sergio has been absolutely brilliant my um, pleasure to be on the show, and um, for all those that are listening, make sure you tune in and subscribe to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much. This is Sergey Ross podcast, and uh, AJ, I really appreciate your time. Great story. I think people will find a lot of valuable insights from it, from your story, from the way we were able to persevere in tough situations, turn it around, and also the way that you define self-development things, like self-esteem, like thoughts, like um, things like procrastination, like being like motivation, those are really important. I hope that people will really take that and apply it, not only just know it, but actually go and and, and do something because that's where they're going to get results.
1: Yeah, hundred so, well, percent. You know, one thing I will say is that you've got to take action. It's all very well saying that you've got all these new goals, but taking massive action is one of the biggest things that you can do. Yeah, completely agree.